0: Welcome to our podcast, Transparently Speaking. I am Diana and I have a son who transitioned at a young age to become his true self.
1: And I am Joy. I have also supported my daughter to transition at an early age. We are here to share our experience and our learning along this journey. We want to provide support and guidance parent to parent. And if you find yourself on a
0: similar journey, we want you to know that you are not alone.
1: So let's dive in, Transparently Speaking. I was reflecting on how my language around
0: gender has changed. And I was thinking about when Clark was young. So prior to transitioning, prior to being very aware of gender in that way, I was the person on the playground when someone was like, he likes Star Wars because he's a boy. And I would say like, well, I like Star Wars. What are you saying about me? So beginning to challenge because I didn't want Clark, who at the time I thought was a girl, to be restricted by these definitions that I kept hearing over and over and over again on the playground. Well, of course she cries. She's a girl, you know, like these comments I'd hear, of course, he doesn't listen. He's a boy. I heard them constantly. And every single time I heard them, I would challenge them. You know, I think of an example of the opposite of a boy crying. Does that what's that say about them or of a girl not listening? What's it say about them? And so I wasn't, I wasn't very popular. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the- are you referring to when you were a child diana
0: no got it so when you were parenting Clark, when clark was a child
1: prior to transition you started noticing all yes. this and as a parent you're starting to push to me what's coming up is some version of feminism exactly okay
0: i couldn't believe what i heard and especially like well boys are better at math so blah 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 and i would be like i'm amazing at math i think i would freak out about these things because i I would think of the limitations that they were teaching their kids. You know, my daughter likes to cook. Have you never heard of emerald? Like, I don't (laughs) understand. So this has been who I am for some time. (laughs) But when Clark transitioned and then Dinah, it brought it to like a whole new level of, I really
1: have to work on how people see gender. Yeah. I'm hearing that you then felt some pressure on yourself or that you wanted to create a space where instead of just questioning what others were doing, you wanted to show up in a way that was creating a new model, a new opportunity.
0: Yes. And honestly, it was probably more for Dinah because- clark's expression was so on the binary as when he was younger specifically about like appearance Mm -hmm. was not an issue however when diana came around identifying as a boy with long hair i was like oh nelly i knew that people were like oh that's a boy that's like we make assumptions and our brain is automatically programmed I call it the mind's eye, it looks at somebody and categorizes me on the binary male, female, because that's the way we've been raised mm-hmm. without stopping to think twice. So looking at Dinah, people, girl, 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 because initially he had long hair. Yeah. And so his expression seemed very feminine. Mm-hmm. But if I back it up, even before Dina transitioned, I already decided that I was gonna teach him differently. And Bruce, who is my third child, Clark transition when Bruce was not quite two. So I had already changed my language with him. And what I mean by change my language is instead of seeing a person and saying, that's a boy, that's a girl. If he asked a question, is that a boy or girl? I'd be like, I don't know how they identify looking at them. I'd have to ask them, but if I had to guess that's a boy or I'd have to guess that's a girl, I wouldn't say why I was guessing that. And believe it or not, they never asked me. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) But that was the language I used. However, when Dinah came in, I upped it a notch further. First off, I brought in non-binary identities. I would say, well, I don't know if that's a boy, girl, or a non-binary person without asking them. But instead of waiting until they ask, I just use that for everyone. Like even if they didn't ask, and I was talking to somebody, and like I'd either say that person or I'd use they pronouns, you know, because my mind, my brain would automatically say she if I saw somebody that my brain thought was female, and then I would say, at least that's how I think I'm assuming they identify as, but I don't know
1: until I ask them. Mm. So you were already working really hard. I'm sensing to like reprogram. One, just the noticing even, right? Noticing the natural tendency to assign a gender based upon expression, right? which to your point, I think is that's how we function. I think that's how our brain works. We've grown up in this binary world and- to make life easier, we function with these assumptions and that's just what happens. So right away, you're making this huge effort to notice those assumptions that are happening and to catch yourself and replace it even with other language of I'm guessing this. And the only way I would know is if I were to ask. Yes. And I've done
0: this with Diana since he was born. So a lot of people are like, oh, at what age do you start? I don't think they can understand. If that's just the way you talk, that's all they know. So Dinah knew from a young age, because everything was like, well, I don't know if they're a boy, girl or non-binary. I don't know if that's a boy, girl or non-binary over and over and over again. I don't know if they go by he, she, or they. Yes, there are other pronouns, but that's where I kept it to. I don't know if they're he, she, or they. And Dinah, who is now six and a half, if I talk about somebody that I don't know and I use he or she, he will stop me and say, mom, it's they. You don't know how they identify. (laughs) So by six and a half, he gets the
1: concept. (laughs) It's so ingrained in him that that's his version of normal. Yes. But it's
0: interesting because as he has started to go to school, it's pushed back on Mm -hmm. it a little bit because teachers, other adults in his life and the other kids don't use the same framework. And I think he notices. Mm -hmm. I I remember when he was in preschool one time and we were reading the anti-racist baby book it's a board book and so it's drawings you know it's illustrated i think he was four at the time but i remember him pointing to a picture of a baby that had short hair said that's a boy and i said well what makes you think that's a boy he said because he has short hair so there was some of that and he and that was after he had started being part of preschool i don't know if it's preschool i don't know something else but we had never spoken, like never pointed hair. And I have short hair. So I'm like, well, sometimes, but like I have short hair. So we don't really know how that baby identifies until we ask them. And a lot of babies have short hair, depending on (laughs) the genetics of hair growth.
1: Right. All babies are born with short hair, right?
0: (laughs) If any, yeah, (laughs) regardless of gender. Yeah.
1: So yeah, it'll be
0: interesting how it plays out. However, Clark now is the same way, will correct me. And even um, Grayson, number two, will correct me. I think Bruce is the only one that de- doesn't. But I think given the opportunity to correct me, I <laughs> might get on that bandwagon. <laughs> so in our home, Dinah also has that example among all of them. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. It wasn't so much there. It wasn't there. You know. didn't notice Dinah engaging ago. with that with language that way or no, that any of my children. Got it. That any of my children were like, Mom, you don't know who they are.
1: It's they. Yeah. Well, that's really interesting. So I'm curious. Obviously, you've made a significant effort personally, right? In, in your home. And you mentioned that some early schooling or socialization with other teachers and adults. Right undoubtedly influences our kids in, in lots of ways. Mm -hmm. I'm curious if you think are, is there starting to be progress right in the schools and with educators starting to use and encourage this language too. Do you have any insight to that? I think they're baby steps. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think they're using the language I do. And
0: I understand that. I think like a lot of people, like, I don't know how to talk about this. Like they think it must be really complicated and you have to give like a doctorate, you know, thesis to the kids to teach them about gender and and so a lot of times when people talk to me like oh you make it sound so simple i'm like it actually is simple but the biggest pushback i have is like well that's not where society is like that's awkward but having said that i think there is more awareness especially because of the non-binary community has really pushed that awareness that no we can't assume And I think with awareness that it could be he, she, or they, but I think it's really difficult. in the younger ages, people think it's too complicated. They won't understand. People are often worried that kids will ask a lot more questions than they actually do. I'm sure there are some kids, but those are the kids that ask lots of questions about everything. (laughs) And there are others that will be like, all right, you know, I don't know how they identify that person's a boy because they identify as a boy, that person's a girl. In fact, we were at a social gathering for Dinah's class the other day. He went a full year in school and he was sitting, you know, at the picnic bench next to his friend who he had played with all year. And the kid said, you're a girl, right? (laughs) And I was floored. I thought, how did this happen? It was a boy the entire year. He didn't even transition at the school, transition prior. And Dinah was like, no, I'm a boy. And the kids like, yeah, but you used to have long hair. And Diana said, "I'm transgender." And the kids like, parents are right there, and they're very nice. And I think, but I could tell, like, <laughs> wide-eyed, like, "Oh my gosh." The other kid just kind of looked like it did not compute for for him, which is fine. And I just said, "Yeah, people can have all different kinds of hair. Look at me, I have short hair. I'm not a boy." And then his mom was like, "Oh, and remember Uncle So and So? He has long hair." So the kid was processing it is all. But it's like, can you imagine a world if we didn't assign expression to gender, how that would be totally different?
1: Yeah. And I want to say that I think it's, it's beautiful that in the midst of this moment of sort of surprise, observing Dinah with a friend, that you know you call a friend so it's like that you've seen them together that after a year right for whatever reason the question comes up you're a girl right and that (laughs) dina is so confident in just sort of saying well no i'm a boy and then the question about hair and then self-identifying as transgender. but the parents that's what i want to say like but the parents kind of jumping in and giving other evidence to again show that this concept of gender expression doesn't always reflect identity yes
0: Yes. And I think they were grateful for me (laughs) (laughs) because I think they didn't know what to say. And so when me jumping in being like, oh yeah, isn't that so fun? Like people kind of all different lengths hair. Look at me. I have short hair. Yeah. We're getting there.
1: So- you I would love for our listeners to have you share where you've heard people struggle or when you say it is quite simple how can you help all of us in sort of reframing or coming up with ways to practice for ourselves I really want to say it's kind of reframing some of these social norms and reframing this use of language and our way of kind of currently thinking because I want to call out that I do think this takes a lot of practice yes just as we've talked about you know, Diana, early on in our journeys, just the transition with our own kids. Like we recognize, you know, to make a shift in your brain with your language, whether it's with a new name, with new gender pronouns, and what I think we're trying to extend that to now in today's conversation is, recognizing the concept of gender and establishing a new set of language around gender that creates a different way of recognizing and teaching others about language to sort of push on a version of social norms that I think we're hoping becomes the new version of normal. You know, if not for our kids, it's for the next generation.
0: Yes. And I mean, obviously... I'm not perfect. I just told you my kids, (laughs) correct me. But I think if we understand that gender identity, by definition, is the inner sense of self. Gender expression is how we choose to express our gender. There's not a way because I'm a girl, I don't have long hair or have to wear whatever. So gender expression is how we choose to express it. And identity is who we are on the inside. So if you understand that you realize you can't look at anybody and know how they identify. We think we can, but we don't actually. So if you accept that definition, Then you begin to think, I don't know how anyone identifies because sometimes when my kids jump on me. As I say, but I heard her say something that identifies woman, whether using that word or their friend referred to them as she, something. So I actually listen for that now. It's very intentional for me to think, did I hear any identifiers? If not, I don't know how they identify. I don't care if they are wearing pink, roughly long haired, ribboned, sparkly, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and that takes a lot of work. I'm not going to lie to be like, I'm going to refer to them as they, until I hear otherwise. Now, obviously the person's right in front of me. I, I am not brave enough. <laughs> I'm going to be confessional to ask that person, what are your pronouns yet? Mm. Cause I'm afraid of the pushback. I'm afraid of the, why would you ask me such a question?
1: Oh, Interesting. I do have
0: fear around it when they're right up in front of me. Having said that, I have asked people their pronouns if they're younger. But usually when you talk to me, you don't use your pronouns. But I think it's usually occurred, like a cashier at the grocery store, when I'm talking to my kids who are with me and I say, like, you know, they're holding on to the thing they want to buy and they have to put it up on the counter. And I, I'll say, like, give them, the, I will use them there. And there have been a couple of times where I've been like, give And I look at them, I say, what are your pronouns? And they'll say, you know, she, you know, give her your thing. So I have done it in those times, Mm -hmm. but I usually get a sense of the person if I'm being honest, which I realize the uh, thought error in it as if I
1: can tell that person would be okay or not okay with me asking their pronouns, but I am afraid. That's interesting. I want to just recognize this acknowledgement, the fear comes the surprise, right? And given some of the conversation, even what we're talking about, I'm curious, can we dive into that just Uh a little bit? Uh, yes. Expose me, make me vulnerable. (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) Well, I'm curious about it because I'm just thinking of of myself, right? And in in a similar situation, I love the cashier example you had. I would use language like, oh, we'll put the item on the belt for the cashier similar to some of the things I've trying to make conscious choices about around, you know, it's not a cleaning lady, it's a cleaning person, or it's not a policeman, it's a police officer and coming up again with these gender neutral um, words to reflect, you know, humankind over mankind and these types of things. And to your point, I don't know if I've asked specifically around gender pronouns. I've noticed, though, in the last three years, there's been a significant change and effort made in corporate America to reduce some of the challenge with this by having everyone self-identify pronouns with your name, like in your email signatures or on your LinkedIn profiles. or And so that's created an ease where you don't then have to ask. But I've noticed in my coaching work, I will receive a client's information and without a gender reference, I go in already with an idea of, am I meeting with a man or a woman who's going to show up on my Zoom window? And it's been fascinating. And I've actually started to add the pronouns just so that I don't have to deal with the dissonance. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> my own processing of, oh my God, I made this assumption that it was this person based upon the things they wrote in their intake right. form. And so that I don't even have to castigate myself about, like, oh my God, what does that say about me? Right? That I'm making <laughs> these assumptions. And so in any case, I think it's fascinating. I do think that the concept of creating a space where it's easier to discover someone's identity without having to ask is also starting to come to fruition. But if we can explore, I'm I'm curious again, so what is the fear for you in asking?
0: The fear is that they'll get upset. You know, that kind of anti-trans language that's gonna come my way and the lack of confidence I have emotionally handle it meaning you know this is what the world is coming to and that's ridiculous and of course you know i'm this and why would you even i'm sick and tired this pronoun thing is ridiculous and like all of that stuff i'd much rather refer to somebody as them not knowing than ask their pronouns and have them say i'm not a them i'm a he and i would just be like oh thanks for letting me know then to say what are your pronouns I think what pushed me to start asking though, is I've made a mistake before. Mm. So one time I was with Dinah somewhere in public and the person in charge of the space we were in, I think I said something like, she told us not to do that, or she told us whatever. And I saw the person's body language change. And then I, it hit me right away. And I said, I apologize. I made an assumption on your pronouns. And the person said, thank you for apologizing. And that was, it didn't give me their pronouns. And then I was like, asked not asked. But I, I would guess that I either messed it up or they have an awareness of like, you just shouldn't assume. Mm-hmm. Like maybe they identified as she, but recognized that I assumed I'd never asked them their pronouns. So that kind of mm-hmm. was my first wake up call. And that was probably four years ago within the last few months, I was coaching somebody and I think I was saying something like they were concerned about what other people would think. And I said something like, yeah, they're, you know, you're concerned. They're thinking he blah, blah, blah. And I saw the body language change and I was like, and so I said, I apologize. I just assumed your pronouns. What are your pronouns? And they actually said, it's okay. Any of them, any pronoun you can use any of them. And so I hadn't said the wrong thing, but I do think that there was the awareness of the assumption Mm
1: -hmm. and I left it at that. Okay. I, as long as we're going into the space I want to offer to our listeners, because I'm guessing everybody listening has had a, a goof up in this space that I had one, I swear it was maybe about a year ago. And I think it was at a grocery store and I was looking at someone from behind or they were sideways or something. I couldn't see the face, but the hair was longer and it was curly. And I I honestly, I just made this initial assumption of an individual who would use she, her pronouns. And then I heard the voice, the lower, very masculine voice. And I was like, oh my gosh, I am so sorry. I didn't pay attention to you and I totally misgendered you. I'm really sorry. I was so embarrassed. (laughs) I was so embarrassed and I didn't ask, but I made an apology because my assumptions right away, I noticed, were dissonant or my assumption about the gender was dissonant then with the rest of the expression, even the voice. But even as I say that now, Diana, I'm recognizing that undoubtedly there are people of trans experience who maybe that individual does identify as a girl, as, you know, with she pronouns. and has a lower voice because they transitioned post-puberty too. I'm just like discovering what well, maybe that, <laughs> I don't know what their reaction was or how, you know, what their experience of the situation was, but just to be open and recognizing I guess for all of our listeners that this can be a challenging space that maybe, you know, we face fear of saying or doing something wrong in recognizing the diversity of gender and how it shows up. And back to your main point around identity is This internal sense and we'll never know unless we find some way to ask or unless we can lean into I like your technique, which I think is very common for me to use as well observing others and how they might interact with this individual with the intention of following suit, assuming that they know the individual better than you do yeah. so that they are using the preferred references. And I think that's the
0: step, like is a step-by-step
1: process. And so the step I'm on
0: is being aware what language are they using? What are other people using? Are they people that know them? Or are they also people making assumptions? But I think the other thing And it takes a lot of work because we weren't raised this way is them, them, them. And so sometimes I've done things like recite children's stories to Dinah, like the three little pigs. And I use they pronouns for all of it Mm. as a way
1: to practice,
0: as a way to practice of making that connection in my brain of they being singular. I'm talking about one pig one wolf. I mean, if I do Goldilocks, I use she for Goldilocks. Like a lot of times people think, well, this is ridiculous. Like, I don't mind if you say fireman, if you're talking about your friend, you know, Bob who identifies as a male, I don't think there's anything like like some people get all like, well, but I am a woman or I am a man. And it's like, that's fine. But we're talking about the general sense when you're talking about firefighters in general, rather than a specific person. Mm -hmm. So Goldilocks is a she in my story, but the Mm -hmm. bear's I I play around with it. <laughs> Sometimes they they. Sometimes there's a daddy and a daddy bear and a baby bear. A baby bears definitely they, you know, like so I play around with it to create that neural pathway. They we go to the zoo, I say, talk about the bear swimming in the water is, you know, they must be hot. Just to make
1: that connection with rank that there's a singular being can be they. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think that's great because I think that that is a big barrier in my brain and has been historically, right, of the concept of they being a plural reference rather than a singular one and being able to practice it creates the space of it becoming more normal and normalizing that language.
0: Yeah. And I read a romantic fictional comedy with a non-binary character who was having a relationship with a female-identified character. And it was an exercise for me because they sometimes meant the two of them and they sometimes meant the one character. And I would often find myself going, oh, wait, I assumed it was the two of them. And I'd have to go back and reread a sentence or reread the paragraph, which I thought was great practice for my brain. That's fascinating.
1: Well- I think this is a perfect start to engaging with our listeners around the concept of social norms and how language continues to change and how it's becoming more and more normal for us to push our own self, our own assumptions, our own ways of recognizing our thoughts and pausing ahead of time, ideally, so that we can choose the language we use rather than what's been programmed into our brains. Right.
0: With the hopes that in a generation or so, people can feel like they can just be themselves, express themselves in a way, and still be
1: seen. Because that's the problem with misgendering somebody, is that they're not seen. Yeah, Diana, I think it's about ensuring everyone feels seen, and that the language we're using to try to recognize individuals becomes this new version of normal, instead of it requiring so much effort Mm -hmm. on our part. And... In the meantime, it's going to take a lot of effort. And I'm hoping that there are folks in our crew of listeners, like you and I, that are willing to make the effort because you just shared some really great stories of how quickly within a matter of years, Mm -hmm. your kids have embodied this new way of thinking and being and helping to catch you on it as well. And I've seen some of that. I think that it's already happening. I don't know if it's happening within our educators sort of as we were talking about before i think there's a question mark there but i think it's happening amongst my kids peers Mm -hmm. i think that whether or not their friends are correcting them in the language or asking to be referred to as certain ways my kids are also starting to catch me and say oh well the there are they and letting me know at least, you know, which, which helps and starts to make me really hopeful that this shift over time, maybe won't take as long as right now. I imagine it it might just hopes for a better world. I think that's what it is. That's a wrap on this episode of transparently speaking. Thanks for joining us today. Join us again on the first and 15th of every month for our next podcast.
0: Thank you to filter for our awesome music. That's P H I L T Y R. Check them out at Apple Music, YouTube Music, Spotify, or anywhere you download music. As a reminder, we welcome your feedback and questions. Email us anytime at transparentlyspeakingpodcast at gmail.com.
1: If you're taking something away from our podcast, we'd appreciate if you'd take a moment to provide us a review. The more listeners and reviews, the more people we can reach and support. Thanks in advance. Cheers from Joy and Diana.